I remember I brought hydration powder last year just so everyone's drinks, I could just put electrolytes in them and things. Hello everyone, we've got another episode of Enter the Matrix Road to WTC in front of us. I've got Nathan again joining me in as a fellow veteran of the hobby and the whole ETC WTC community. And today we wanted to talk about something that you all know about, but I don't think it was ever touched that much in any form of content when it comes to teams which is like precisely what are the roles of captain and coach not only when it comes to actual event but also preparation before event how those roles actually intertwine and how those two help each other out i used to be a captain twice nathan was coach a few times as well so we yeah. have like experience from our end from different teams and we will also touch a little bit on the teams themselves and I mean like players, a little bit about the roles, but we'll not get too much in depth about it because there were already plenty of videos beforehand that I will link in the description. So if you feel like watching how to do pairings or my article when I write how to create a team and how, how it actually works, you can see, see it there, but I can imagine we'll get into it at some point during the conversation. So how are you, Nathan? I am very good. Thank you all for having me again. It's good to be here. So for now, it's very close to list submission when we're recording this. It's actually literally tomorrow. And uh, I know you're. we are both actually not involved officially within the team, right? But uh, we're both taking part in like the team training, like we talk on the discords or whatever you have as a communication channels. So we're quite up today what's happening now i'm quite stoked about the incoming pods and actually seeing what will happen there we'll be on a video next week where we talk about the actual pods what's spicy in there what these choices are spicy and how we see the meta shape up in general but coming to today i think we need to mention how actually the teams are formed because if you were listening to contact lost and their recent review interviews with the captains, you can actually hear that nearly all the teams have the regular eight players and whole coaching staff behind them. And the thing is, what is actual roles of those people? Why do you need so much of a coaching staff? So you have regular players. I think this is self-explanatory. They are there to play. But maybe before we get into the role of captain, you can describe a little bit about the coach's role, Nathan, from your experience. So okay. coaching, it has a lot of facets. It's like, it's a lot of coaching is what you po would probably think coaching would be. So a lot of it's supporting captains, filling in gaps where things aren't being done. There's usually an aspect of captains are so busy with dealing with, I don't want to call it bureaucracy, but they are busy dealing with how the WGC is going to be run. They're dealing with 
how they want to do pairings, they're dealing with how they want to do um, their matrix, what eight armies they want to select, and that's also a big part of the player. So a lot of it sometimes comes down to like man management. So it's chasing people up for, have you got models approved? Have you got um, what practice weekends is everybody turning up to? What practice days are even happening? It ends up being actually... I ended up doing quite a lot more of the practice days than even, say, maybe some of the captains because it's just organising those. So this is all in the kind of build-up to the event. Uh, a lot of it's also a team, while you have eight really, really good players, you the extra staff or coaching staff that you call it needs to also be, if you can, a so for example, sorry, it needs to be a combination of good players as well. At the moment, England has the eight players, but we have seven, sorry, six additional players on top who are either almost at that ETC level or close enough to it that when we do practice days or we can do events, the actual players can stay on their armies and carry on using those and then play good enough coaching players to be able to get the matrices correct rather than having we've had it in the past where if you only have your eight players some of them are not getting reps in with their own armies because they're having to swap around and use somebody else's list or whatever when it comes to the actual event itself coaches the role of a coach has changed over the years initially coaches were brought in to kind of inform a captain how a round is going they can walk up and down the line and be oh actually one of our wins is now maybe a loss one of our wins is turning into a draw but actually one of our draws is now turning into a win uh, and it's letting the captain know where you are roughly in the round to then be able to tell the captain this is where we are and the captain might say okay well now that we're losing the round you need to go tell these three people who are maybe sitting on draws to go and push for wins uh Ideally, you try and tell them the amount of times where you've had to go to a player beer and be like, push, and they're on turn four, and they're like, you needed to tell me that two, three turns ago. Um, the other issue you've got sometimes with being a coach, sorry, historically, is what ended up happening was teams were starting to bring coaches to um, effectively spy on the other teams, where... You'd have somebody, maybe not in Team England clothes, I'm not saying Team England specifically, but you'd have somebody who would maybe go and look and see how the other teams paired. Because before everything was on BCP or anything like that, it was a case of you had to try and figure out how the other teams were pairing. Because that was a big part of it. Especially when it was, I put something forward and you put its opponent to it, rather than you get to pick oh, what two armies play that one army. Uh, other aspects of coaching now has included you need more coaching staff now. Like we, England took four coaches last year, effectively. One of them was a statistician, so did all the stats for the Matrix and everything else, which is super handy to have. Also, effectively, tech. So Adam, our tech guy, effectively, was in charge of the laptop. That was the important part because most of our tech people are pretty awful on our team. Like Manny can't use a computer to save his life. Um, Mike Porter's the same. 
Uh, trying to get them to use Discord is an uphill losing battle. Uh, we also had the biggest thing last year was setting up the tables. So when everyone else is going off and doing pairings, we found that our four coaching staff was super busy setting up all the tables and the objectives because the last thing you want to do is somehow every year, even though we have four to four and a half hours around, people only get to turn three. And a lot of that sometimes is if you mess around and spend 20, 30 minutes trying to set the table up, you've just killed into your time. And then people slow down and have a chat because they think they've got four hours when actually it ends up being too slow. Bit better on clocks now, but is what it is. Um, and all the table maps actually allow you to do that beforehand. You always needed to ask yes. whether before the round, so for like, like a piece of history, like two captains would walk through a whole row and decide whether every table was correct and they would like shuffle the terrain, what they mm -hmm. would deem a correct position of the terrain, and then you would play on those. Yes, so. yeah, table choice was a lot more temperamental. Different rows had different types of terrain. Different whole ETCs had different types of terrain. We went from like super heavy years to super light years, and the terrain ended up being the biggest part sometimes of how well you did at the WTC. Um, but nowadays, yeah, you've got fixed maps, but the fixed maps are still super important with getting the measurements correct because the amount of times where I've seen, well, actually that person was able to go from this terrain piece to this terrain piece, but actually they set that terrain piece up incorrectly. So you've actually potentially lost a matchup because that's not, or some people had issues with, oh, you're not meant to be able to score that objective from this side of the wall, whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, other side of coaching is, you're not playing, so the stress is less on you. So it's it's almost like a team booster, team morale type aspect. You've got to try and keep everybody happy. Uh, and a big part of it last year, because we had a, we just happened to hit Belgium in a heat wave, was making sure everybody's super hydrated, everyone's snacked and fed. Because it's a long day. Lunch, you had to walk quite far away to get it because there was nothing super local. So it ended up being coaches would go and do food runs, those kind of things. Uh, I remember I brought hydration powder last year just so everyone's drinks. I could just put electrolytes in them and things. I think USA had a trolley full of snacks and water. And then France and they had, had like cold towel towels. Yes. And was it France or who was it who had like charcuterie boards like they yeah had, like, it was french french they yeah had like, actually like a cheese chef. and fruit and yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i was like oh, that's impressive we're copying that this year <laughs> so i i think when i look at it it's more like coaches during the event are meant to take the stress of the players themselves make sure that the players can only focus on what secondaries they will be taking in a given matchup, not anything else. So they can only look at the tables, and by tables I mean matrixes, uh, and like focus on how they perform themselves. And one thing that you didn't mention, I think is also a very important part of being a coach, they are a way of communicating between players and reps. Yes. So you do not need a player to actually go grab a ref, run around for, for, for one that's loud you just ask a coach and they will bring you a referee when it's needed 
so you do not lose time that's during the round. And I think that's also another thing that's working quite well. You can kind of feel like whenever you play play against any other team that has multiple coaches, like the coaches from both teams are actually working together to make everything doable yes. for both teams. So like I saw multiple times like coaches bringing water or whatever was needed to both players from a given table. So it was more of a like co-work to make sure that mm -hmm. players have what they need. But there is also like another layer instead of only helping there we are not allowed to spy anymore during the pairings but at no. the same time it's not disallowed to look around the board tables and see how actually the games are going so yes. especially in an addition like this when a lot of stuff is new and you actually do not know what's gonna happen how how is it going to work out maybe there will be like a completely new list that somebody just didn't think figure out then you can send a coach and that's why you also mentioned coaches being competent on the game can yes. send a coach who's competent at the game, like the best of your coaches to actually, for example, for a whole round, just stand by the table to some extent, not to be like obnoxious, but just watch around and see the performance and how that army works on the board. And they can then translate it into some information for their captain. So there's like multiple layers of coaching. And I think you can even specify, you have like organizational coaches, you have tactical coaches, you have statistical coaches like Jeremy in Canada is, for example, using the static sure. data to help them out. Uh, and you you can analyze, like, you can even have coaches at home. That's funny. You do not need to have a player at, playing at the venue. Nowadays, when you have BCP, you can actually, like, look through the data and get someone from even staying in your own country to analyze the data and send you over some insights from it. Yeah. So there is, like, multiple layers and even like from BCP data, you can figure out how did the pairings go. Exactly, yeah. If you have so, some idea how a certain army is pairing in the current meta. Mm -hmm. So I think there's plenty of information that coaches can get and they need to turn it into a concise enough information that the captain or players can actually use it. So for example, if you have a like last year's uh, least uh, USA list, they had like Admec, and then you would learn from first two days that th those armies were meant to kill knights. Yes. And you, yeah. even though on the paper, like it didn't seem that good into knights, but on the board, it actually made sense. And then you can adjust your estimations accordingly. So I think there's a lot of stuff that you can do during the event that requires you to have some skill and with four streaming tables as well this year i can imagine there will be more coaches dedicated to handling the streamers so mm -hmm. it doesn't get like the commentary for example isn't loud enough so the players can overhear what they are talking about so sure. there's no actual like third party involvement in maybe your decision making mm -hmm. there's more stuff that where coaches can help you out as a captain during like say between rounds meetings like you have a captain who's meant to figure out pairings, you can just send your coaches to the captain's meeting mm -hmm. and they will represent your country and bring back the information or like the Thursday meeting. Like there is a lot of that stuff. And you might think that during those four and a half hours, there's not much to do. But as soon as it starts going, it's really busy. And especially in like place like Mechelen, 
if you have one coach who's driving by car by any chance, you, he can go, like, as you said, shopping. We had that case last year in our team where we figured out we didn't have enough snacks and water. Our, one of our coaches would just drive around and buy stuff at supermarket. So that's also a thing. Uh, and maybe there's something else you also also popped into your mind? Yeah, there's a couple of other things that I actually forgot to mention. Uh, one of the things that we do, obviously, you know how you said you can go and look at other tables. Sometimes you do actually have to look at your own tables where you're... Because there's, there's only a certain amount you're allowed to talk to your specific player about. You're not allowed to actually coach in-game at any point. So I can't turn around to a player and be like, don't forget about this stratagem. He's probably going to do this next. You can't do any of that. You, you cannot interfere into a game, no. but if you see something played wrong, you can tell the players to stop and go for a rep. Yes. So that, that's the part where sometimes you have to watch your own tables. Sometimes we've even had it where uh, we played around. I'm not going to name names and things, but we played around. One of their team coaches stood by that table the whole round, and one of our coaches stood by the table that whole round because we knew there was a contentious player and it was going to be a case of there needs to be multiple people watching this game so nothing stupid happens. But also, like, a big part of being a ref is a lot of the time is actually going, going and get codexes or FAQs or things like that because rather than going straight to a judge because they always tell me, show me in the FAQ, then it's usually it's finding those. So a lot of it's actually you do quite a lot of prep work beforehand. Last year, I printed off all the tables for all the rounds with and I laminated all the pieces of paper so it was easier for our captains to be like, okay, guys, here's the maps in front of you, not on pieces of paper that are going to blow away, get destroyed, whatever, so they're reusable. Then there was also printing off all the FAQs so you have them on hand. And you as a coach have to kind of know most of the armies pretty well and you have to know most of the FAQs pretty well. So if somebody says, oh, Nathan, what's, is there an FAQ about this? And I said, yeah, okay, fine, here it is. And it's like, and I had it binded so I could see where the actual FAQs were. It's a, it's like paperwork and prep like that. Uh, and about the rules, there's also another thing with like a new addition and how the FAQ changes. We have, for example, one coach in Polish team that just reads the rules and looks for abuses like wrong wordings and actually reads the WTC FAQ to find if there's something dumb so we can exploit it and have like that knowledge advantage over others so we would have them actually analyzing what's happening so the players can still only think about their games and maybe get like additional level of information from them yeah yeah it's a good part of it as well yeah and again that all leads back to the Unless they are maybe doing a certain role, like being doing analytics or they're your tech guy, or they're just sometimes the guys are just water boys. They just go and get, they're the person in charge of snacks, water, whatever. And media. But, and media, potentially. But it really pays to have good coaching stuff. So it's one of those, like, one of the reasons um, I keep talking about Team England, but it's what I'm attached to. We in the past have tried to. Rather than just pick the eight players, you try and build the scene around it as well. So you can almost have two full teams of good players to then be involved and help out and do everything else. So 
that's it's an important part of building your scene as well to try and get good coaching staff. Upskill your whole community basically, so yeah. they can be of value even when not playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have like something. I from my point of view, when I was a captain, coaches were usually like people that I would delegate tasks to, mm. and uh, I think they were quite useful in taking off any burden that I just couldn't figure out. Like for last year, I had like specific armies, for example, planned for my coaches to actually look at. So okay. they would go yeah. and watch specific players, specific armies, uh, or figure out the pay rings of, of a given team. So it was like their task that I couldn't do myself. Mm -hmm. Or they, for example, if you have a person that you know, can get quite heated during the game. You can actually have a coach that's, as you said before, you can have a coach that's dedicated to, like walking near his table to eventually like tell him like chill down, man. Like yes. you do not need to yeah. get so involved into what's happening. So, and also there's another layer with clocks. Yes, time management is a big part of being a coach now. It's going to the ref and telling them you've this player has 20 minutes left on their clock. Because you have to go tell a ref now, otherwise you start getting big penalizations. Yeah. So to for those unaware, it works like it. Unless ref knew beforehand that there might be a time issue, like when they approach at the very end of the game and see the time, you do not know who might have been actually the offender, what was happening. If they know from the very beginning and they can check up every thirty minutes or so, they can write down what's happening, what's the issue. And maybe like the solution later will be more fair depending on what was happening during the game itself. Sure. So, and also I don't think if that's included in this year, but I know previous year like you were meant to notify refs if somebody had less than thirty minutes. Yes. On their, yeah. On their clock, so you, like I think one hour before the end of the round, you basically had to notify you how is your whole team doing whether there's a potential problem and whether a referee should be aware of it but usually referees would then tell the coach that okay can you grab another coach from another team so they so you both actually work towards that game not going over time yes. and not necessarily refs would handle that but you would have those two coaches cooperating making sure that both parties are satisfied mm -hmm. so I had one case like that in my game where I was told that <coughs> we are going, like we would clock out. There would surely be a death clock unless we speed out, sped out mm -hmm. the game. But like for example, their coach would tell me that it doesn't matter what's the score of this game. You guys already won. Just make sure you do not get penalties. So we just went yes, through yeah. with the motions to make sure that we do not get the penalties, which might be way bigger than you losing those two bracket points. Yeah, starting, starting getting yellow cards for times is it's something they've finally cracked down on because we've had it too many years in the past where players were getting to three turns and then refs, sorry, coaches, sorry, refs can't really do anything because they're like, oh, well, I, I can't really say who's the offender and who's not the offender. But now it's it's you each have your allotted time. And like you say, sometimes you were getting to the ends of rounds and there was an hour left. And one player had 11 minutes and the other person had 49 minutes. And you're like, okay, well, you've got 11 minutes to do your last two, three turns. You've got to hurry up. Otherwise, you're going to get a warning, then a yellow card, and then obviously red card, yeah. which is 
did, no, that's not. Yeah, some there was a couple of yellows, but nothing too crazy last year. Yeah, yeah. but they are cumulative as well. Yeah. So like, if you have more and more offenders in your team, it gets worse and worse for you. Yeah. Uh, so now I I think we can now transition more into the captain's role. And mm -hmm. you were mentioning that captains are basically people who are also representing your country in a way, mm -hmm. because there is only one captain per country. And only way to change who is the captain, you need your current captain to step down and assign a new captain, basically. Mm -hmm. So, you, and they are meant as a person who's, whenever there's a conversation, say whether we are playing ninth or 10th, you basically have one vote for your team mm -hmm. and you cast that vote as a representation of your whole nation. So there's plenty of those votes, maybe sometimes about like, can we increase the entry fee? So we include something like X yes. and then, yeah. and then you vote on that. You probably still ask your players about it, but sometimes those discussions are Irrelevant, yeah, not insignificant for your players that you just skip it because it's not for them to think about and there's like a lot of stuff before the event because you are meant to be the one responsible for your players knowing about all the deadlines because you are the one who knows about the list submission about all the rules about the say model approval right you mentioned that you are the one like in England, someone else would chase it, not the captain, because captain would delegate those tasks to coaches, but they still need to be all the time up to date. And there's a lot of small stuff that the captains need to know. But captains not necessarily are the players, like people who also do like team composition and pairings themselves. You have teams that have specific like non-playing staff coaches basically meant only for that like Germany they have Defrat who's a veteran of the mm -hmm. ETC who's doing all of that for them and not their actual captain and in Poland we for example used to praise non-playing captain roles if possible mm -hmm. so to have when you meant that you should have a knowledgeable coach who knows about FAQs armies etc if you have knowledgeable non-playing captain he can like look through all the tables and understand what's happening and for example when you are preparing for the event playing tts and stuff he can watch all the games and get like a good grasp of the general meta instead of having to focus both on on his army and general meta which usually means that one of those two will suffer so that's yeah. a problem in my opinion with playing captain you will sacrifice your own player player performance usually yeah. for for the sake of the team and figuring out other stuff especially if you are also one of the main people who do like team composition so you need to figure out what what is done how certain armies perform against each other so you need to chase people about like filling in those estimation matrices so there's a lot of that job work that basically coaches do that previously was only meant for captains as well. Mm -hmm. Like before we used to have a lot of coaches, which I think just started happening last year, basically. Kind of, the yeah. Yeah. Your captain was the point of contact. So like your captain who was playing, sometimes when there is a, like a problem at the table, he would be like taken off his table and his game. Yeah. So he 
because he is representing his team and he is the the one who knows whether his team is getting penalized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So having actually one coach being non-playing captain might be beneficial. So if you have yeah. uh, to so basically they have less burden on themselves. Uh, and uh, during the event, I think they share a lot of roles that we mentioned as coaches do. But I think the biggest like role that you have is actually keeping up to date with the meta. And I think there's like a mental thing that you have layer of captains being like the country representative right. representation, but also captains need to be some sort of a role model. Like you need to be have a leader that your team will follow. Like I think sure. that's why, yeah. especially if like you lose one round, then you need to somehow get up and get back to the fight. And if you do not have enough of a moral support and like a person who can handle all those problems, you actually might not have enough of what's needed. So I think there's a lot of layers. Maybe there's something else that I forgot to mention that pops up into your brain. Uh, no, not particularly. Yeah, captains predominantly. Like I say, it's a lot of man management. It's gamers are all the same. They, I'd imagine it's the same between every team. You get a case where you have so many people involved that it all starts spiraling out of control and you need a captain to stamp a foot down and be like, look, guys, no, I need these armies because I need this matrix. So stop looking at these silly options and stop thinking about these, like, go do some crazy ideas. And if you don't, if you can't prove that they work 100%, we're not taking them. Here's the direction of the team to go. You have to have you have to have that top-down leadership to be able to push the team in one way, because otherwise it ends up just being chaos. Because you've got eight people going on random tangents about oh this is good and this is good and this is good. Well, fine. But and there's also yeah. another layer I think when when it comes to the captain that you also need to like know the mental capabilities of your players when you are the captain for your team you know that certain players for example are more prone to like losing in when they lose mm -hmm. so probably you need to give them armies that are more performative like yes. they they can get higher scores so like yeah. previous edition would be nits or like tau or anything nowadays probably elder or gsc right yes. not a yeah. secret right but God, you have those you have those players that need to score well, and that's how they work because they might be down in the dumpsters if, if they suddenly just get to, to lose 15-5. Like, that's not something they used to. And you have players who excel at playing those like scrappy games and yes. getting points wherever they want, they can. So you also need to adjust your team composition to some extent to that and make sure that players also get like armies they own they played again with although i don't think when this year when we have a change of edition actually like placed out from previous edition translated as much some some That's rules right. a little bit but i don't think being a faction specialist actually meant as much this year no it doesn't uh, you get a you still have a rough idea of style certain armies are maybe a bit more min losses min draws sorry min wins and then some are go and smash people i think part of a captain is also making that really tough decision of look 
it's it's a team of eight players. We can do sports day trophies for participation if you want, but of the eight people, some players are better than others. It's just a fact. So sometimes it's a case of we've made the mistake in the past where we've put our best players on lists that go out and get draws, and then we're expecting the potentially weaker players to then go out and with these smash armies to go and get 20 nils and everything else. They they do something wrong and then they get 10 they get 10-10. So you get, you're almost wasting your best players sometimes on certain lists. Unless that list is, look, I can go and get 10-10 out of everything because they're a really good player. So it's knowing the player skill a little bit to also be like, look, I need, I need that person on this kind of army to go and get those points. If I put him forward, or sorry, if I put him to go smash something, I know he's going to go smash something. Like you say, some people are like, if they start losing, they just lose the game because they keep pushing for wins or whatever. With some people, it was always my favourite part was being a put-forward player and then being yeah. like, there, I got I got eight points out of your best army. Cool. And they're like raging at their coaches, being like, oh, I've only got a draw. Yeah, those kind of things. That was always my favourite thing, that trolling type of... Oh, yeah. Type of yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, I remember... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 go on. I remember I, I was using a... This is sixth or seventh edition, and I was using a fly-heavy Tyranid list uh, into at the time it was Imperial Knights with orcs, but it was the orcs with all the anti-fly guns, and the the German guy was like, "Oh, I'm going to twenty nil this game to his coach," and it ended up being twelve eight, and he was just like, "Have you played this matchup before?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I played it like eight times." And he's like, oh, okay, because nobody else had played it that much. And I was like, yeah, I, I knew vaguely what I was doing. I knew how to get a draw, and he was livid. It's that kind of play style where you just, oh, that's actually the fun side of pairing yeah. some people. So, so that's something that you need to have in mind as a captain, mm-hmm. because some people cannot take those. Some, some people also, like, you need to make sure that your team has no problem with certain person being sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the pairings process because sometimes you are just meant like say in this edition somebody defends with eldar and you're like cool so here's it's my sacrifice <laughs> yeah yeah and and you need to have someone who's like completely fair with it and like okay that's that's what's gonna happen like that's part of the role of, of being in the team and sometimes it's better for one person to get sacrificed than other and that's just matrix mm. so like it's a team sport like at the a... end of the day. Like you say, yeah. it's a team sport. You have to. Some people have to put their egos aside and just take it for the team. If that, if it gives you the win and you get a zero, cool, fine. Well, not zero, but ideally you'd want two or three. But yeah, some people are going to get smashed for the sake of the team. Yeah, and that's something that you need to have in mind. Like I, as a captain, would probably usually during pairings have only one, my two players my co-pairers with me that I would do pairings with and the rest of the team far away. Mm. So no one would chime in with their being scared of getting tabled by Eldar. They would just get told, okay, you you got Eldar on table five, you're a sacrifice, go play. Yes. That's all. That's all. You do not need to know more. You do not need to be engaged more. And I think there's like a certain layer that captains and coaches need to make sure that the players only go to the table, do their job and the game, make sure that they are feeling fine, well rest for next game and just go on. 
Yes, that's, that's something we've adopted this year. We're, we're not we're not having the whole team there because it ended up being too much of a mess. So yeah, we've got three people doing pairings this year. There is a saying in Polish: "Where there's six cooks, there's nothing to eat," and that's like, yeah. I don't know how that translates to English, but like, it makes sense. So I, I think the captaincy, even though what I said when we were talking like captain and coach, there's less things said about captains, but there is more work that's happening during the year, and coaches are like very end of the year loaded like coaches do most of the work at the event and maybe like yes. month before the event when you actually know like you got the accommodation etc but sometimes captain is assigned earlier and for example you need to book the hotels half a year beforehand right yeah. or you need to do all of that stuff you need to be all the time present on the chat make sure that you are following what's happening on the referee chats or like all those votes and discussions so captain's work is one year's work which is also very end loaded because then you need to figure out what you're doing but it kind of but what i would like to separate is that you have like the regular captain's job which is listening to all the channels that you are supposed to listen to and read what whatever you need to take parts in voting and the pairing and team composition part can be done by separate usually yeah. you see captains also involved in that because they choose the team to some extent they choose the players so they have like a better idea of what was their their approach to all, all of this but sometimes you have captains that do not do this they are just there for like a representation and even though most teams will have captains who do nearly everything it's not necessarily something that you will see out of every captain. Yeah, and I think also certain teams do things different. Like, for example, we have two captains. So we have two captains, two vice captains, and then all the coaching staff because we found that delegating a lot of the aspects. Our primary captain, if you want to call it that, is Josh, but he's delegated out. So we have a non-playing captain, a playing captain, Playing captain is predominantly involved with what armies were taking, overall matrix, and like composition of players on certain armies. We then have a non-playing captain who's in charge of basically organizing everything and doing all the voting stuff and everything like that. And then two vice captains, one helps out with pairings and things with Josh, and then another one who helps out with doing the events that like generate money for our teams and everything else. Because that's another thing. You sometimes you have to do like the the tournaments to help either pay for the event, pay for hotels, pay for shirts, everything else. All like unfortunately, this isn't golf or tennis. We actually don't make anything from this. Uh, we might be the best in the world at our certain hobby, but it doesn't really pay anything. So it does start to add up when you're paying hundred quid plus hundred dollars plus on shirts, hotel, and all the preparation weekends that you need to attend as well exactly. and go and play. So. There's also another thing we haven't yet mentioned, and like during the year, a role of a captain or whoever captain would assign is also like grabbing sponsorships to some extent. Yes. Yeah. You need to have at least someone who's working on like a deal throughout the whole year. So to, you need to make sure that if you have a store sponsoring you, they get enough of 
promotion out of you that whenever you go to an event, like say, you always take shirts with their logo and make posts so they can post about you. Or you have some deals with sponsors. I, I think in the Creme de la Creme series that Contact Loss is doing, some of the captains actually mentioned how they do it in their respective countries. I think it's very interesting to see how, how it works. I think like the captain role is basically a role of a representative who is loved in their community, usually. Like a person who is very well respected and everyone knows what they represent. And then coming closer to the event, they might have more of a leadership in terms of armies and etc or they might delegate it and still do captaincy only for the representative role is there like anything else we might be missing at this point uh have we discussed how a captain might pick a team of eight or is that something yeah. we've already talked before i i think we can discuss it i will also mention that contact lost with their creme de la creme series for before sure. WTC, I will I will link it in the description. Okay. They actually also mentioned like how each team does it, but I think sure. every team has a completely different approach to it. Mm, they do, yeah. And some of them, like France, have a whole system that's like similar to football, where you have three leagues with teams from League Three advancing to the second league, and from second league to like a Premier League. And then you have teams playing in that Premier League to choose who's the captain and stuff. So you have like a whole tournament or a cup even system where you actually get to see who's, who's the new captain and who chooses the team. You have teams that base it off rankings within their country. Or you have teams that have like a committee of people who select the team. I think that's kind of the thing that's happening with England in Poland for one. Where yeah, we yeah. so you have different approaches. You it might be more objective, it might be more subjective depending on the country, what they want to employ. Do they want to have like a certain rankings in place or any kind of measurable performance metrics of a of a player? Uh, do you have something else about it? No, that was pretty much that's pretty much all the roles of captains and coaches. It's a, it is a, it's a lot to do, but it's it's, it's like that. What's that analogy like? You all know Michael Schumacher won X Formula One title, but you don't know the, the name of the crew that helped him win that title. Yeah. But you need that crew around you to help you win those world titles. And I think that's a very good mention because I think the coaches and captains are like sometimes even a thankless jobs. 100%, 100%. Like the team that was there will know how much they help. Like mm -hmm. that one moment when you're like parched and you need that banana and like a Coke Zero yeah. when you're playing, like you are really thankful for that person who was always there and just who always wants to help you. Uh, it's a very dumb example, but like it's one that I can really emphasize with but no, you need it you need it and it's also um, it's okay yeah and i think this is something that broader community will not see same as you said about like f1 schumacher example right mm. it's also like 
as a captain, even though it's eight people playing their eight games, ultimately, if the team doesn't do very well, the responsibility lies on the captain as well. Whether it's because he picked those certain players who didn't very well or they weren't prepared enough. Because I think a big part of actually getting the captain sometimes is, we've had it, and it's why, say, this year we're practicing like crazy because last year we barely practiced at all. It was last year was really bad for us. So it's a case of we're not making that mistake again. We're taking this bit way more, especially because it's a new addition. So it's like you say, it's it's not so much just like making sure the players are necessarily doing enough. It's making them do certain things like, oh, don't just tell me in the matrix. Oh, I think that's a draw. How, how many times have you played it? You haven't played it. Don't tell me this result then. Go away and play it. Go away and play it yeah. two, three times and then tell me what the result is. Because I'll tell you what, this time, four times out of five, it's not been the right result. Oh, actually, we and, played it and it was this. And the game at the end, the pairing and everything, I always say, it's just an information war between both teams. 100%. Yeah. Who knows more? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think we have nothing more to add. At this point, I would like everyone to know that this Saturday on 29th of July will have, I think it will be 8 p.m. Central or yeah. 9 p uh, or 7 p.m. Central. I'm not yet sure. Uh, I will, it will surely be posted and it, I think it's already posted on the WTC Facebook channel. Mm -hmm. you, you can look it up, but there will be a draw of the pods and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, to see which teams are I, I think there is a room for a lot of spicy things mm. spicy pairings and like upsets even on like even uh, pod level there is room for that and next week we'll be joining myself and Nathan with Contact Lost to actually talk what's interesting there and to give like some context from history about certain teams and what we find interesting about the armies because let's not kid ourselves we still have we still work for our teams in to some extent so we all oh, still know know a little bit of interesting stuff because we still are very much involved into whatever is happening within our respective national teams so exactly, yeah. do you have any closing notes yourself nathan no i think we've covered it pretty well thanks for having us guys that was really really good and if you want something more about the captains themselves and teams themselves, go look out and listen to, or watch to Contact Lost's Creme de la Creme series. It will be linked down below. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.